Last week, we encouraged each other to take courage. Everybody say take courage again. This week, we're gonna challenge each other to take heart. How did Paul take courage? As he stood in defense of the gospel, the testimony of Jesus Christ, well, his vision was clear, his faith was rooted, his journey was surrounded, his prayer was consistent, his sermon was empowered, his mission was guaranteed. I was thinking about those points as we were singing just a few moments ago. All hail King Jesus. His mission is guaranteed. Well, this week, we're gonna challenge each other to take heart. Maybe last week, I encouraged you to finally say yes to what God's calling you to do in life. You said, yes, God, I'm in. You got now the courage and you're like in and, and you've even maybe taken you know, some time to, to process, okay, I'm in, I've said yes, and I'm gonna fill out that application. I've said yes and I'm gonna finally ask that girl out on a date. I've said yes, and I'm gonna make this career shift or whatever else. And so you had the courage to finally step out. You've even made a few sacrifices. You began the journey. And how many of y'all know that sometimes when you step out, especially to follow God, things don't always work out according to plan. Anyone else ever gone through a shipwreck in their life? After saying yes to Jesus, a storm came out of nowhere and shipwrecked your life. Well, man, if that's you, you might be like, that's me, Pastor Rob. I'm in a shipwreck right now. I am literally falling apart as we speak. Man, God's got a word for you today. Because I don't want you to just take courage. I want you to take heart. For God is still with you. God is still with us, amen? And so we're gonna unpack this text together. If you have experienced a shipwreck in your life, this is a word for you. What happens when we build up the courage to obey God and then things don't work out? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 27, verse one. Remember, Paul makes it to Jerusalem. He's arrested by the Jews. He has a defense before a mob, and then that mob has a plot to kill him. He's escorted to Caesarea. He's imprisoned before Felix and Festus and King Agrippa. He appeals to Caesar, and now we find him getting on a ship. Remember, King Agrippa says, if this dude hadn't appealed to Caesar, I'd let him go, right? But Paul's determined to get to Rome. Paul's determined to do what he chose to do? No, what God had called him to do. And so check this out. In verse one it says, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to the centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of, I don't know, A-Town, I don't know what it's called, Adramidium, Adramidium, Please don't call your kid that name. Which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day, we put in at Sidon. Julius treated Paul kindly and gave 
him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Putting out to sea, from there we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coasts of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lucia, Lycia. There a centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus. And as the wind did not come along, did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee, lee of Crete of Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Now, some of y'all might say, well, Rob, why did you include that? This is part of my therapy, having moved from New Orleans to Pittsburgh, trying to learn the different names of streets and neighborhoods up here. Y'all do know y'all talk funny. You do also know that just because me and my wife are standing on one hill and we see across the way, even on Google Maps, that it's two miles away to get to that hill, you do understand you're going to take 755 different roads that you can't even pronounce, but they're all next to giant eagles to get to that place. That has no spiritual significance. That's just part of my therapy that my counselor told me to process in front of you guys. Can you just kind of see, like we've got a whole bunch of different things that are happening and some are in Paul's control, some aren't, but man, they're cruising, but they're trying to get to Rome. Um, as we challenge each other to take heart today, I want us to lock into the word faith because I mentioned all those different places and ever in that life, life has so many different stops and moments and unexpected things. And at times we got to get out on the water and sail. At times we got to port. We got to come back in and we got to uh, rest, right? Um, we got to, did you notice there? Paul was given freedom to go and find brothers, to find the church and be cared for. And, and that's symbolic of life. I don't know about you, but man, I've got so many different stops. And at sometimes I feel like I'm taking five steps forward and anybody feel like they've taken two steps backwards. See, that's life. So when we encourage each other to take heart, we've got to keep the faith. Everybody say faith. What does it mean to believe? What is faith? If we're going to take heart, let's lock in on this word Faith, and you're gonna see it come out at the very end of our text here as Paul encourages us to take heart. Here's a simple definition of faith. It's personal trust in who Jesus is, and what he has, is, and will do. Jesus has made a promise that the gospel is going to continue to advance to the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 24. The way that the church is going to accomplish this is not through our ability per se. It's through faith in God. Faith in God. Faith in Jesus, first of all, for salvation. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through him. 
Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, just a few moments, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. But it's not just faith in regards to salvation, it's faith for Jesus. Faith in Jesus, salvation. Faith for Jesus, mission. It's staying focused. It's fighting the good fight. It's finishing the race. It's uh, pressing on so that whenever our time comes to be before God, we would hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faith is the igniter and the flame of the gospel, Andrew Murray said. I love this from William Carey. Expect great things from God. Here's faith. Attempt great things for God. So, some of y'all are shipwrecked. Got a little detour right now. Can we encourage each other to take heart today? Let's encourage each other in the text. Let's continue reading. Acts chapter 27, verse nine, after all those crazy names and stops. It says, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, sirs, <laughs> I love this. Paul's led by the spirit. How many of y'all need convincing of that after going through all of Acts? So I don't know about y'all, but at this point, like if I had rolled with Paul, whatever he said, I'm be like, I'm gonna roll with Paul. Like, there's enough proof that this dude is tapped into God. And he goes, sirs, <laughs> I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Heads up, this is gonna go bad. We don't need to get on this ship. Now check it. But the centurion paid more attention <laughs> to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Okay, let's just be honest. Good call. Paul, tent maker, right? I mean, he got his degree from, you know, Jerusalem Theological Seminary. Like, you know, this isn't necessarily a pilot. It's not a captain of a ship. And so the centurion's like, eh, I'm gonna stick with the professional here. I'm not gonna listen to Paul. Although it's clear Paul has some insight. Verse 12, and because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both north, southwest and northwest to spend the winter there. Write down this first thing. First thing I wanna encourage us, if we're gonna take heart, turn your framework into faith. Turn your framework into faith. Listen to me, framework can be great. We all need a framework for our lives in order to cultivate the disciplines necessary for our lives to 
thrive. I ain't mad about saying this. Bolt's in his first uh, high school football training camp. And I told him, I said, you know what the difference is between you, freshman, and those senior that you're practicing with? They've been running this play for four years. And because of the discipline and the repetition and the framework of what they've gone through, things are now thriving. Things are flowing. See, framework's a good thing, right? We need the discipline. We need the framework in our lives. But check this. When it comes to following Jesus, a framework can also be a problem. Framework can also be a problem. The Christ life is not always some simple, easy, religious formula that if I do step one and step two and step three, I get healing and harvest and revival and everything else I need in life. Y'all with me? How many of y'all have ever experienced the power of God when you weren't even looking for it? How many times has God ever showed up outside of your framework and showed you mercy and showed you grace. Pittsburgh is a very religious city. And when I really pull back the layers, especially when I'm talking with someone in the city who has been religiously brought up, grace is almost like a foreign word to them because they've been taught from a very young age that I've got to do this, 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 do this. And ding, 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 once I do this, then I get the blessing of God or the blessing of results, right? I've told you I've been a chaplain in the NFL for last 13 years. Those guys are built to perform. And, and, I, and I get that, but the gospel is not about what we do. The gospel is this, you can't, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, now you can. God sometimes works outside of our framework. The Christ life is not always predictable religiosity. The Christ life is sometimes messy spirituality. It's not according to plan. How many times in your life has Jesus moved in unexpected ways and moved even when you haven't been obedient? You see, Paul's one who's led by the Spirit here. The centurion, the pilot, the owner of the ship are led by their framework. They're led by their framework. And, and rightfully so. I know y'all don't care. Only really my mama cares and my, my dad's former church. It's the only time I've ever heard myself referenced in this way, but I'm actually a doctor. I'm Dr. Robert Edwin John Wilton. I'd like for you to start calling me Dr. Rob, please. I worked hard for that doctorate. Um, are you ready? It's a theological doctorate. Are you ready for me to conduct a surgery on your right foot? Wrong doctorate, not qualified. There's nothing wrong with us leaning into people who are qualified, counselors and different things, and specialize in certain things in life. 
But let's also remind ourselves that, let's take for example, a surgery. We know the great surgeon. And sometimes he performs and does things beyond what we understand. And I'm thankful for the power of God, aren't you? Hey, sometimes we need to turn our framework into faith. Turn our framework into faith. Do you know what a framework of vintage church is? This. You are robotically in a framework of vintage church. I can't believe Rob makes us come here every Sunday at the same time doing the same things. Nothing's wrong with a framework. What would y'all think? It was like, uh, we'll see you when we see you. When are you gonna be there, Rob? I don't know, I'm gonna flow with the spirit. <laughs> well, what time's church? Uh, some of y'all were thinking that because we started a little late today. Like, no, we need this. How many of y'all parents need framework? We, we need these things. But let's not only depend upon these things. May I encourage you as you come to a framework like Sundays at Vintage or your V group, spend time asking for the Holy Spirit to come alive and do something within that framework that goes beyond anything that you could have ever done. See, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. I don't trust in the framework. I put my faith in God. Listen to Hudson Taylor. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. Paul said, hey, fellas, just a little hunch. We shouldn't go. Well, the expert said, let's go. Let's lean upon God. Let's continue the story. Acts chapter 27, verse 13. Let's see what happens. I wonder if Paul's gonna be right. It says, now when the south wind blew gently... Supposing that they had obtained their purpose <laughs> in that life. Gives you a little tease. Oh, progress. Things are going to be easy right now. I think, you know, things are actually going to work out. They weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, <laughs> but soon, a tempestuous, I like that word, tempestuous. Try and challenge yourself this week, you're being biblical, to bring that into a conversation three times with a friend. Okay, tempestuous. Where'd you hear that? I'm learning the Bible, Rob. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind. Now look at this. We gave way to it and were driven along. All right, number two. Don't just turn your framework into faith. Turn your flow into faith. Turn your flow into faith. Um, what does it say there in the text? It says that we gave way to it and were driven along. How many of y'all have ever felt like you have no more control and you are being driven along? There is some sort of force or something that is just 
leading you in a direction that you didn't even plan on going, but you just have to go. That's exactly what's happened here. These men had a plan, they had a framework, they had a destination, but God had a different plan. I call this flow. This is the flow factor. What kind of flow is going on in your life? Good and bad. It's not just harp on the shipwreck here. Any of y'all feel like there's a flow happening in your life? I know just over to my left right here, we have a newlywed couple and I know the guy. His name's Tyler. There ain't no way he should have been blessed with a sweet, amazing girl. But God has blessed him. Flow. (laughs) Y'all with me? Anybody else feel like that? Husbands in the house? I know I do. Like flow, the good things, man, you don't understand what's going on here, but God's like giving you an opportunity, a raise, a promotion. Oh man, thank you, God. Favor with a neighbor, whatever. But then let's also talk about the bad because there's here like this Northeaster and now they don't know. Man, I, I love considering God's flow. And when I consider God's flow, I'm just gonna, I've been real with you. In Pittsburgh, hardly anything has happened according to my plans. And so when those things happen, I can get, because I'm a leader and I'm a little bit of a control freak at times and I I, I want things to go the way in which I designed them to go, I can get frustrated. I, I can get really aggravated. But I wanna turn that flow that clearly God has designed for my life into faith. Some flow has happened because of my stupidity, but some flow happens just because God's in control. And here's the number one way. Some of y'all would say, well, Pastor Rob, how do you, how do you handle it when things don't go your way? How do you handle, this is what I do. This is for me. I hope it's a blessing to you. I love to lock in on what I do have in my life instead of what I don't have. And I start to ask myself, okay, I know I thought I was going to be there, but now I'm here. And so what opportunities, God, have you given to me here and now to enjoy and maximize and be used for the kingdom of God? Are you with me? Depression creeps in, guys, when you start to think about what you don't have. Fill your days with things that you do have. Gratitude is powerful. Thank God for the things that you do have. You see, we've got to turn our flow into faith. Continue on the story. Acts chapter 27, verse 16. It says, running under the lee of a small island called Cauda. Okay, so how are they doing this? They're being pushed this way. They're not wanting to do this. They're being pushed this way. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. It says, then fearing. Everybody say fearing. See, this can happen. When flow takes over, 
fear can come. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. So here they are still being driven along. They're not driving, they're being driven along. The next thing I want us to encourage each other to do as we take heart is turn your fear into faith. Turn your fear into faith. Can we be honest? Fear is a real thing. Fear is a real thing. You know when I really learned fear? Um, It was when I learned the difference between having three boys and finally a daughter. And those three boys, now their mama might have a different, you know, opinion, but those three boys, you know, I'm watching them at the playground like, oh, sure, of course Mac and Burke at age two are doing backflips off the top of the slide. They'll be all right. You know, they fall down, they have an injury, whatever, you know, suck it up, you know, just knock it off the dust. You know, McCall's just like taking one step up, going the way that she should be going up a slide. And I'm like, baby, baby, you okay, baby? I mean, I'm telling you, it it crushed me. I, I don't know why, but before she was like three, she had all these injuries, broken arms and this and this. And I mean, the doctors were a little concerned. We brought her in so many times, like, what is going on? But I just found out my heart had different fear <laughs> with my baby girl, right? I mean, I'd find myself at playgrounds and if a little boy looked at my daughter, I'd punch him. No, I'm just kidding, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's just a new level. Fear is real, guys. And when you take a step of faith to follow God, we gotta turn the framework. Yes, we gotta turn the flow into faith, but we also gotta turn our fear into faith. Fear can also be a blessing. Because fear keeps us humble. Don't don't ever strut in the presence of God. Don't, Don't ever, with the things you have, get this sense of entitlement that you are worthy of those things. Keep yourself humble. And guys, as we sang this song, All Hail King Jesus, like, Let's not have, I don't think God intends for us to have a, ah, fear. Y'all with me? That's not, it's a all hail King Jesus. It's a bowing fear. It's awe, it's reverence before God. And let's turn that fear into a reverence before God and faith in him to do beyond what we can ever ask think or imagine. You see, sometimes God will put you in positions where your back's against the wall because he wants you to learn complete surrender to him. That's faith. A lot of times the fear in my life has led me to faith in Jesus. All right, continue the story. Verse 18, Acts 27. Well, since we were violently storm-tossed, it's not fun. They began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, 
and no small tempest lay on us. Now check this. All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Selling the farm, tossing everything out. Next thing I want to encourage you in, in terms of taking heart, turn your failure into faith. Turn your failure into faith. Right here, these men lose all hope. Now, I know that I'm the only one that's failed in this room. So if y'all can just let me have a little moment. I have epically failed in a number of ways. When I consider that here these men are giving up, selling the farm, throwing away, all hope lost, Man, I, I put myself in those positions where I've been in my life. Where I'm like, man, I am, I am such a failure. Anybody ever said to God this? There's no way you could overcome this. There's no way that I'll ever do, God, what you called me to do. Just to ease the tension for some of you guys who are trying church out for the first time. Sinners, will you raise your hand in the house? Any sinners in the house? Okay, there's a few. There's a couple that haven't sinned. But most of us here in this room, all of us, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anyone thankful that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't die for us after we did a bunch of religious things to earn. No, he died for us in our failure. He died for us in our faults. He died for us in our sin. He died for us in our inability to do what he actually called us to do. And I want you to turn your failure into faith. I'm so thankful for verses like Romans 8, 28. It says in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, remember I went to seminary, that word all means all, which means what? The successes in life and the failures. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is in the business of turning our failure into faith. Anyone want to give Jesus a shout of praise for that? Thank you, Lord, for stepping in to my defeat. Thank you, Lord, for stepping in to my discouragement. Thank you, Lord, for stepping in to my failure and turning it into faith. For Lord, in the storms of life, you've been with me. In the shipwrecks, you've been with me. This is a church where it's okay to not be okay. But this is a church where we also believe that in those moments where we're not okay, 
Our Jesus is the lifter of our soul. We can turn our failure into faith. We got one more chunk of the scripture. In verse 21, the story continues. It says, since they had been without food for a long time, all hope's lost. Paul stood up among them and said, now, some of y'all are like, I mean, I like Pastor Rob, but why can't he be more like Paul? I wish, I wish Pastor Paul was our pastor. I'm gonna go find a better pastor. Paul's a punk here. Y'all don't want this pastor. Look, look, look at what he says. I mean, he's so obnoxious. Man, you should have listened to me. <laughs> How would you like that? Y'all would have been like, oh, well, Rob's so gifted in pastoral care. Oh, he's so tender with his words to me. Like, right after you fail, you're shipwrecked, you haven't eaten because of your failure, I show up at your door, should have listened to me. <laughs> I'd have been punched in the face. Man, you should have listened to me and have not set sail for creed and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Sometimes an honest word is what we need. All right, everybody look at me. Some of y'all have failed. Some of you have messed up. Don't let Satan deceive you in being in denial of it. Satan would love for you to not learn from it. So he's convinced you that it was everybody else's fault. Paul here needed to remind them, no, you didn't listen to me. We've got to be honest with ourselves and truly unpacking some of the things that happen in life. Yes, sometimes God does turn things into flow that are out of our control, but sometimes we're responsible. We need to grow from them because that's part of sanctification, the process of becoming like Christ. I don't know about y'all, I've become more like Christ through my failures than my successes. through my failures than my successes. And so, check this. He says, take heart. Everybody say, take heart. And then he gives like the worst encouragement ever in a reminder of actually what he said. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Paul, that wasn't a good word. Stop bragging. And then it says, for this very night, there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Do you know what I love about Paul here? He's witnessing. He's starting to explain to them the gospel. So he's turning some failure and framework and flow into faith. You might not have thought that you would be where you are right now, but you are there, and God has a purpose for it. He begins to explain to them. In verse 24, he said, this angel who stood by me said a few things. 
Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all, those who sail with you, so take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Take heart, men, for I have faith. Everybody say faith. In God, that it will be exactly as I have been told. Last thing, turn your focus into faith. Turn your focus into faith. Despite the shipwreck, despite the fact that all hope was lost, despite the fact that this wasn't according to plan, what did Paul remember? The words of God. And he locked in on the guarantee that, hey, Paul, just want you to know, you're gonna stand before Caesar. You're gonna make it to Rome. What was last week's last point? The mission was guaranteed. No fear. No amount of failure. No framework is gonna prevent you from doing what I've called you to do. And church, if we have any hope of taking heart on this side of heaven, we've gotta turn our focus, not on the wind and the waves, but on the one who controls the wind and the waves. You see, Paul eventually makes it to Rome. Very last few verses in the book of Acts, which we'll unpack in two weeks. In Rome, it says he lived there two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. God made a promise. And when God makes a promise, he delivers. Paul goes on to write in Romans, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He goes on, he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn your focus into faith. Turn your focus into faith. And I promise you, when you do that, you have the confidence that Paul had. Hey, man. Yep. We've been shipwrecked. Yep. I can't even pronounce the name of this road. I don't know when we're going to have our next meal. But take heart. For I have faith in God. Not you, not the ship, not the world, in God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're gonna close out our time. Those who are serving communion this morning, if they would make their way up to the front, get communion ready to to be served. We're gonna respond to our God. 
King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. And I got to believe with all my heart that there's been at least one person here today from the Word of God who's been encouraged to take heart. You're in some flow that you didn't expect. You feel bound to a framework that you don't think is going to work out. hurting from a failure. You're overcome by fear. Your focus right now is on Google and the news. You're letting too much enter into your mind. That's not of God. I invite you in this moment to turn it into faith. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Rob, for the first time in my life, I want to place my faith in God by accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you'd say, that's me, Pastor Rob, this moment, in this moment, I give my life to Jesus. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. God's word says you will be saved. Anybody here want to give their lives to Christ right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise your hand if that's you. Come on. Anybody here? I want to celebrate with you. I want to rejoice with you. Anybody here? Give your life to Jesus. The second person I want to talk to right now is those who know know Jesus and have surrendered their lives to Jesus. the word of God today is encouraging in any way to take heart, maybe in your failure, your framework, or your flow, or your fears, or your focus. I just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand so I can just find out who's been, who's been encouraged by the Lord? I see a hand there. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over. Man, we are all lacking, man. We all need faith. Praise God. God's speaking. He's stirring. He's doing a great work. I've invited the the band to sing kind of an old song, but it's a song called Take Heart. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And I want to pray for you as we go into this song. And I want to invite you, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, to come and partake in these elements called the Lord's Supper. Enjoy the body of Christ, which was broken for us. Thank Jesus for the blood of Christ that was shed for us. It's because of him we can. So we stand to your feet as we get ready to respond. I want to pray for those who lifted up their hands. Let's stand and get ready to sing and respond. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, I know that there could still be one person here today who's not trusted in you as Lord and Savior. And God, I pray that you would, God, surround them with your love, that they would enter into a, a relationship with you. But God, for those believers who lifted up their hands saying that, you know, Lord, you've been challenging me and I wanna take heart. I wanna turn that that fear into faith. I wanna turn that flow into faith. God, as we sing this song, would you through the power of your Holy Spirit as we take communion together, help us turn these things into faith in you. Thank you for the words of Paul. Take heart for I have faith in God. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Let's sing and let's respond as you feel led.